got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined once again by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, we're back together. We've got our recording equipment back, but unfortunately some things haven't changed. Another defeat for, for the Bath boys. At long last, um, our European hopes are finally dashed. We've been clinging on to... Um, what little um, hopes we, we had left. But um, as I predicted uh, for a change last week, G, um, you know, ultimately what was quite a close game for you know, large parts of that, of that 80 minutes, but um, you know, seven minutes uh, and three tries um, in, a, in a quite brilliant display by Clements um, in some instances and also poor play um, on our behalf, letting the, letting the game well and truly slip away. Um, and with that, our, our European hopes this season. Are we the first side out or are Ospreys crashing out with us? Ospreys, Leon, um, I think hadn't won a game until until that point and Benetton. So uh, Leon actually recorded their, Mm. I think their first win um, in sort of four or five years in in Champions Cup history, uh, in in Champions Cup rugby. So um, it's not not quite that bad, but... um, yeah, it's uh, it's bitterly disappointing, as, as as you say, particularly as we, um, you know, we picked a really strong side for that game. We we sort of backed ourselves against um, a Clermont side that's really struggled away from the Stade Marcel Michelin, and uh, yeah, it, it wasn't to be. Yeah, just before we get into to the game, a, a game of two halves, if you like. Uh, I had a great night at the Rec. Thanks, thanks for asking, Tom, uh, and and <laughs> and a really great night. It wasn't actually as wet as I thought it was going to be. The rain held off during the game in the most part. I mean, the conditions underfoot looked terrible, especially in, in a couple of those corners, particularly the one Priestland scored his first half try in. But a great night, um, you know, partly down to that first half display, which we're going to come on to, but partly down to the fact that we always have a great time in, in Bath, especially on these Friday nights. Wasn't quite a sellout. Um, which was surprising to me. I think sometimes these European games don't quite sell out for some reason. I guess it's also kind of uh, uh, an indication of the the disenchantment amongst a lot of Bath fans at the moment with the current squad and and, and the current performance. So um, that was many, quite interesting. Many away fans there, or yeah, a few. They were, there was a couple of blocks of of Clermont fans um, on on the opposite side, actually, to to where I was sat down in the Priestling. Corner yeah, in the Priestland corner yeah. and in the sort of on that on that stand, but in the other side on sort of the twenty-two. And actually, at the end of the game, we we stuck around, and 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 they did as well. And they all kind of grouped together into one place. And then, go on, you're going to get out now. You stuck around. Anyone you speak to in particular? <laughs> Come on to that at the end of the podcast. Um, had a good chat with one of my one of my close friends actually. Um, but let's move on to the game, Tom and. Um, Quite a bright start from from the blue, black, and white. Something which I said was key going into the game to start brightly and to to put Clermont under a bit of pressure to to kind of re uh, reintroduce those doubts that would be there after their performance against Ulster. Yeah, it, it was great stuff. It's, it's the ambition that we haven't seen all season, particularly um, in attack. G and I think you know, aside from the fact that you know we did have a lot of opportunities, ultimately the. Um, you know, the final pass didn't quite go to hand on on so many occasions. You know, some of that being down to conditions, some of that just a little bit of um, rustiness and um, 
uh, and potentially players not being quite used to that style of play, but showed great ambition. Um, you know, uh, particularly first 15, 20 minutes that we pinned Clement back, had sort of 60, uh, 65 or 70% of, of possession in that first first half an hour and made a really good in, mm. good impression on the game. Um, I thought the, you know, the Reese Priestland try, as you say, down into that bog in the, in the far corner, set the tone. Um, unfortunately, then Clement, you know, we let Clement come back into the game and, and equalise with that try. But particularly Bright Spark, and we've spoken about um, results, um, uh, you know, uh, and performances as well. And I, I think, you know, we're much happier to see a, a Bath side lose when playing like that uh, mm. and showing some ambition um, than simply sort of rolling over um, and just taking defeat as we've seen in the past. Yeah, you mentioned that that Preston try, Tom, and something which you mentioned on last week's podcast was how you wanted the first receiver to come from a little bit more depth. I kind of don't think you were imagining it to be that much depth, i.e. in the pocket for Priestland <laughs> going up for, for a drop goal. Or with his ankles probably uh, deep in mud as well, that kind of depth. But I think, <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, I think he, I think Austin, I watched it on, on BT, as you said, you were, you were there, Jean. I think Austin Healy probably slightly overplayed hmm. Reese Priestland's ambition in that he sort of, implied that he was sitting back in the pocket, making sort of defenders um, sort of swarm to him. And then he was kind of going to go round a couple of, of defenders on the blind side and score in the corner. I don't quite think that was in his mind. I think he just decided not to, not to kick. Um, and often, as, as Priestland does, to have a, have a little go himself. Um, but what I found more encouraging, I think, than, than the try itself, was that I think we began to see some kind of attacking structure come into our game. Mm. Um, Jonathan Joseph and, uh, and Jamie Roberts, um, who obviously, as we know, offer very, very different things um, in their Joberts combination mm. um, in the centre, resurrected from last season. I thought they combined particularly well. Um, with, with with Robert sort of busting it up the middle, um, uh, making uh, uh, you know making ground and, and and going over the top of defenders, um, and then Roberts uh, and then sort of Joseph cutting those arcing lines um, as we've seen him do so many times, um, and ultimately to get his try in in the second half, which was a which is a great individual error. So I thought you know we are starting to use more width, we are starting to see some more structure in our game, um, and you know long may it continue. Yeah, much more attacking attempt as you say, Tom exemplified, I think, by a few decisions that we took, rightly or wrongly, at penalties, mm. particularly kicking for the corner on a couple of occasions when, when perhaps the three points was the certainly the more pragmatic move, but perhaps the, the right move at the time. And also tapping and going. Yep. On around our 22-metre line, in the 19th minute, Tom, sort of highlighted the fact that the, the players had obviously been instructed to play with a little bit more freedom, uh, and I think that was really exciting. And part of the reason why I enjoyed my night so much, despite the result, was was that first half performance was 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 far more exciting and got me out of my seat yeah. on far more occasions than Bath have, frankly, throughout throughout the whole season. And, and to make 117 meters, that was on the 21st minute, 21 minute mark. JJ had had five JJ carries, five carries at, yeah, yeah. at that point as well, and that kind of showed that at times this season. The, the ball's not been getting outside of the, the 9, 10 and certainly not outside the 12 channel. But we were looking to play with a lot more width, use those those, those exciting backs. And, and, and as you say, it, it was much more exciting to watch. And, and it didn't, in the end, pay fruits in terms of the, the, the scoreboard. But yeah, I think on another day, it easily could have done. Yeah, and another stat to, to throw at you, G. That was the mm. that try ended a, a 192 minute 
um, mm. drought for, for for tries for Bath this season. So yeah, as you say, it was clearly a um, it, it was the players have clearly been given license to go out and play like that. You know, Stuart Hooper, the coaching staff, and all the players acknowledge that that really was the um, you know the last ditch attempt at Europe. Um, and I think you know for that reason um, uh, as well, we probably needed ultimately to target the the five points, particularly with the fixtures we've mm. we've got coming up. Um, as well, so I think yeah, that that was really positive to see. I think I, I, I'm not sure we'll see it going forwards. Um, you know, Stuart Hooper was asked in the in the interview after the game whether you know that was the blueprint going forward or whether that was just something that we'd you know that we targeted with with, with Clement in mind in particular, and given the um, you know the context of the competition. So um, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath for uh, you know tap and goes in our own half going forwards and kicking for the corner at penalties because I think that would be a drastic change of, of game plan and strategy from you know ultimately the things that have worked well for us this season which is the mm. which is the, which is the forward forward play but uh, it must have been entertaining to watch from being at the rack yeah ext- extremely entertaining Tom it was just that that little detail particularly at the end which, which often let us down as you say the final part of think particularly thinking of, of when Jamie Roberts busted through and tried to offload to his centre partner, Jonathan Joseph, who just spilt the ball. And and Josh Bayliss's break, which ultimately would have led to a Roy McConaughey try, just obstruction by Will Stewart, correctly called. But the slight details, the slight things which could have gone the other way made all the difference in that first half and meant that, that we weren't ahead on the scoreboard. And that Josh Bayliss moment felt to me like a really key moment because it was the right call and, and it chalked off the what would have been a McConaughey try, as I say, and from the kick that, that, that Clement made from the penalty, they mauled, they mauled towards the line and then a couple of phases later, with the penalty advantage, George Moala, who undoubtedly was excellent, the standout on the day, Crash through some some weak defence from Bath. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just turning to social media, I think, which has ultimately been sort of, um, and universally been pretty, pretty negative. Um, Found over... the uh, password for that. <laughs> you like a broken record with that joke. <laughs> you really are. Um, and I think we've really seen two sides of, of, of kind of Bath fans and social media. I think some people taking, you know, real positives, particularly from, from the first half. I think that pack, uh, you know, despite the injuries and the guys we, we've got out being rested um, as well in the form of Sam Underhill, that pack is starting to look really powerful, um, as Frank Rigdon said on, on, on Twitter. And, and, you know, we've really been able to compete with pretty much every side we've come across. You know, we've beaten some, some good sides now. We've beaten Exeter um, and mm. we beat them at their own game. Um, Northampton Saints, um, who put up a you know a good sixty-minute display at home against uh, the European ha- powerhouses that are that are Leinster, uh, and we absolutely dominated them up front. So I think, in particular, that front row, the way it's coming together, as I, as I've been saying, but also some of the some of the some of the younger guys as well. So I thought Reese Davis off the bench mm. when he came on was was really good, and um, he he showed a lot of promise, and and is somewhere certainly from my point of view, who's 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 come out of nowhere. You know, and then on the other side of the coin, you've got that old kind of negative spin on things in a way. People calling for for Stuart Hooper already <laughs> um, to, to to be given his to be given his marching orders. People questioning um, all manner of, of of elements with the um, you know of elements of the club. And I think you know, for me, there are there are a few a few things going wrong. I still don't think the the backline is is functioning well. 
Um, you mentioned the, the depth that we've got in attack. I still think we're taking it quite static. Reese Priestland often when he when he gets the ball, he'll um, he, he won't actually be moving. He'll just he'll take it. And the line speed of of Clermont men, it's very difficult for him to, to 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 unless we make a sort of actual break of the line to get up to the mm. to get up to the gain line. Um, I thought Chris Cook, although he he was he was pretty sharp and he you know he, was, he took. Um, uh, he looked sort of to bring a fizz to the game that we haven't really seen yet this season. I thought he was slightly slow to to the to, to the ruck as well to to recycle the ball. Um, and for me, a large part of that comes down to something sort of more fundamental, um, and that's actually with the with the wreck itself. Um, uh, uh, you know, with the oh no, just in, t- in terms of the pitch, reasonably fundamental. Uh, yeah, just in terms of the pitch, and I thought Hugo Monier made a good point, actually, just around, you know, we mentioned all these attacking weapons that we've got, McConaughey, uh, Joseph, who we are starting to get the ball more and more, but we're playing on uh, on Shrek Swamp, to be perfectly honest. It's, it's, <laughs> you just thought of that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really tough. I mean, Shrek Swamp. Yeah, they're, 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 you know, they're chasing these, these kicks, <laughs> they're, they're trying to keep up with these absolutely rapid 19-year-old wingers, and they're trudging through uh, essentially what looks like, a, a, you know, a, one of the many fields we have in the, in the West Country but you know ultimately when you look at Saracens uh, a lot of the successful teams you know they're playing on fast pitches they're letting these guys uh, show their skills show their pace um, and we just we're just not um, you know we're just we're just not our players just aren't able to do that given given the facilities on, on Friday night. Yeah, the perfect example of that, as you say, Tom, is is the Racing 92 new stadium in, in Paris, which is <clears> like a carpet <throat> by the looks of things. Indoor arena, perfect conditions for running rugby. I would just say the, the argument against that would be at times, and we even mentioned this on the preview podcast, it would favour Bath to have a, a scrappy game dominance dominated by the set piece and therefore having Shrek Swamp which is if you've thought of that just then and that's your original content is is incredible just came out of there Um, then yeah I think at times it would favour Bath but on Friday night when we were when we were looking we were looking to looking to looking to play that expansive game as we've spoken about and there were a couple of occasions as you say where certainly looking at someone like Jonathan Joseph who and and Excuse me, and Tomasa Rocadaguni, who thri- who would thrive on a, a fast track, certainly weren't allowed to, to to make moves with their feet like they would like they would like to. Yeah, and it's not just the boys out wide; it makes mm. a lot of the forwards' uh, jobs much more difficult as well. And um, we saw a couple of clearouts when guys fly in to to try and clear out the ruck, Ben Rabano on a couple of instances, and mm. lose their feet, and essentially either kind of seal off the ball. Um, or just aren't able to clear out as effectively as, as as they might otherwise be, and I thought that was one area where you know we did struggle a little bit was just clearing out the breakdown sort of efficiently and just allowing Chris Kirk or Will Trudley to to scoop up the ball and um, and make the make the best of of the sort of the conditions and um, and the attacking play that we had. So that that was one element. The other is is the scrum. Mm. Um, you know, <clears throat> I thought we did really well in that area. You know, Clermont are a, a tough, um, massive uh, French sort of um, and Georgian outfit and they're very, very tough scrummagers. Uh, Will Stewart, as ever, equipped himself really well, but at times got, you know, long in the leg um, because his feet are just sliding backwards and that's just such a difficult position to be in when you've got, you know, 950 kilograms, just shy of a tonne, um, sort of coming coming towards you. So I'm not sure if the if the Clermont stud makers are, are kind of more um, adept than than the ones down in Bath, but um, yeah, it seemed they sort of had the edge in on, on the traction front as well. Yeah, in the scrum... 
the, the graphic came up at the start of the game that Bath were tied first in the in the Champions Cup, having won 100% of, of ball on their own, putting at the scrum. And as you say, we didn't quite get the edge in that area. A couple of penalties certainly went against us. We picked up one on around the 62nd minute mark where Will Stewart got a penalty for Bath. But as you say, we weren't allowed to assert a, that area of dominance, which was an area of dominance clearly we'd had shown by those statistics. And I guess you're right, part of that lottery at the scrum is the conditions and when people are slipping, it's very hard to tell who's getting the, the upper hand. Just before we move on from this this first half performance, Tom, and talk about the disastrous second half performance, we've recognised that we're on top, certainly. We had the, the majority of field position, the majority of territory, and the majority of chances in that first half. But were you happy with the decisions on twice, on, on two occasions, to take to go for the corner as opposed to taking points in the Clermont half when we could have been building a lead? I, th- I think oh, it's difficult because, you know, on the one hand, when um, when you show ambition and it pays off and, and you get the seven pointers, you know, you you, you got to credit the team for, um, you know, for doing that. But on the other side, it does seem stupid not to not to take three points in those conditions, particularly as, you know, that's what we've been doing all season and and kind of, you know, that's what kind of our game's been, been predicated on. I think a large part of that, as I say, came down to the ambition that the players were showing. I think Hooper just basically said, right, let's go out, let's try and score our four tries, let's get the win and let's keep our European hopes alive. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, that played a large part of it. But I'm hoping that kind of that mentality feeds through to, um, to, to sort of more games going forward mm. and the players are allowed to. When they fancy the opportunity, they're allowed to, um, and, and they don't feel sort of scared to, to have a go um, and to back their skills. Because it, it, it's not just being the corner, as you say, sorry. It's the tapping going as well. Reese Priestland did it. Chris Cook on a couple of occasions um, tried to do it and, and the referee sort of pulled mm. him back. Uh, so I don't mind the ambition um, and I think particularly in the context of, of the game and the competition, um, from my perspective, I, I, I like to see it. But I think um, with sort of closer games, when there when are finer margins, I think you do need to be a little bit more calculated with some of those decisions. Yeah, in fairness, I do think there is that element of freedom given to the players, generally speaking. And I, I, I think specifically of that decision against Northampton Saints at home when we decided to take the scrum under their posts. And that was led after about seven or eight minutes of scrummaging to to the winning try from from Zach Mercer. I do think there is that element of freedom built into the more structured game. On Friday night specifically, I didn't mind the calls actually. At the time, I was calling for them to go to the corner. I didn't like the decision at the line-out to go for the front man on Mm. that that one. Easily allowed Clement to push us out. So I think that was the wrong decision. Slippy like that on there, particularly yeah, yeah. particularly when it's slippy, it can easily get pushed out into touch, which are the areas which are always slippiest at the wrecks of just out of out of play. And I also didn't like the fact that once we'd made that first error, we then compounded it with with a penalty at the ensuing scrum, which meant that ultimately the decision proved to be the wrong one. But I don't think it was that decision which was the wrong one. It was the decision to go to the front and then the ill-discipline the scrum, which which was actually the mistake which Bath made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, <coughs> final thing on, on this first half, Gene, after all the dominance, dominance we had in that um, in that, that first first 30, um, in particular, you know, possession territory went our way. Uh, BT also showed a, a stat about collision dominance. Mm. We had about 85% of, of collision dominance on the gain line, which again... Um, against a against a side like Clermont is is very very impressive. 
Um, albeit, as, as, as I'll say, I think we I think that did contribute to some tiredness in the legs, which ultimately we saw later on in the game. Um, however, um, on the 27th minute, um, you know, three individual missed tackles let, let George Moala, who, as you said, had a fantastic game, go over from, from five metres out um, and score and ultimately level up the game. And you know, that's so demoralising as a player because you work so damn hard to, mm. to get those seven points. You really do. And we had so many opportunities that the actual effort put in by the boys was quite incredible. Clement soaked it up and then came back. And obviously, as I say, three missed tackles. And um, I'm, I'm going to name and shame G, but the three missed tackles were were, were Mike Williams um, in the first instance, who really should have made made the tackle. McConaughey tried to um, get back and sort of tag him um, on, on the way in. And then Francois Lowe kind of slipped off him as, as, he went, as he went over the line. So three of our players who, you know, are, are reliable defenders and who don't don't be expecting to to miss those tackles, and I think that kind of shows the effort that that was put in from a physical standpoint in that in that first half an hour. But um, you know that that was really the difference between the two slides. We weren't able to be clinical enough in that first thirty, mm. and 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 Clement then in the second half showed us showed us how that was done. Yeah, I've heard that before. Bath not clinical enough, and the opposition being way too clinical for us. Into the second half, then Tom and. Uh, a bitsy first 20 minutes of the second half. Cook giving away a brainless penalty on 45 minutes. Us taking our own penalty on 49 minutes. Kind of neither team pushing, pulling ahead in the first 20 minutes of that first half. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, it's, it's sort of the old cliche sort of next score after that. That, that halftime break was so crucial. As you say, we gave four penalties away, in fact, in that first 17 minutes after after halftime. Um, there was that incredible Mike Williams tackle on mm. um, on, on fly half Camille Lopez that really shut the door. And, you know, that's the kind of tackle that we you want to see from your blindside flanker when you come out after the, um, after the halftime break. Knock the opposition 10 back. We need, you know, and we piled over the ball. Unfortunately, just went off our feet. Um, again, a combination of, of difficult conditions underfoot, and also pot- potentially a little bit of over enthusiasm in trying to get that turnover. Ultimately, the decision goes the other way. We lose that momentum. We concede another penalty following that, as you say, compounding those errors with with Chris Cook, kind of a brainless. Um, uh, tackle without the ball on a man running a, a lazy inside line. He was never going to get the ball. There was no need to do it. And ultimately, we we, we let Clement start to build a lead, as um, all French teams do, build a lead into the second half and say, right, you're going to have to come and you're going to have to come and chase us down. And then what followed that initial 20 minutes was the 10 minutes, which which decided the game, decided our eventual Champions Cup fate, and it began actually from my point of view, on the 59th minute with the head injury to, to Francois Lowe, a hugely influential guy, captain, club captain on the night, on the field, World Cup winner, number eight. We didn't really have an out-and-out number eight on the bench. Lowe's not exactly number eight himself. Josh Bayliss had to move to, to number eight. And losing that experience and that brilliance on the field, we saw a couple of fantastic Francois Lowe turnovers. Oh. I do feel like, was it contributed to what followed? But what did follow was was 10 minutes when Clement, or eight minutes as it was, where Clement scored three tries, two of which came in 90 seconds, Tom. Break that down for me, if you can. Just what went wrong? What changed in those 10 minutes? Was it a Bath complete collapse? Was it Clement's brilliance coming to the fore in 10-minute spell, which decided the game? Was it a bit of bad luck for Bath? Or was it a combination of all three of those factors? 
I think each try was different. So the, the, the first try, and that was on the, on the 65th minute, um, and that was uh, Samuel Azalea, the, the, young, mm. um, the, young, the young right winger. Um, and and that, that was just a bit of a bit of Claremont brilliance, really. You know, they showed us how to be effective um, and and ultimately ruthless when when you get an opportunity in the red zone. You know, quick. They, they basically transformed into into the team that we know they are and the team that um, th- that they are at home in particular. Hard runners, um, people picking you know different lines. Camel Lopez and 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 Greg Laidlaw pulling the strings from halfbacks, and ultimately they were they were too powerful um, for for us to hold out. Um, I think, as I say, there was some tiredness in the legs, um, retreating in uh, back behind your gain line in in those kind of conditions. Again, to, to mention underfoot um, is very very hard work. Defending is is the most tiring part of part of of rugby, um, and I think that was a, a very well deserved try, um, and really should be a blueprint about how we want to play. Hard runners um, running fast lines uh, when when they receive the ball on the gain line, um, quick sort of efficient uh, clearing out of the breakdown and, and recycling of the ball. So um, that was a great try. Um, but the game wasn't out of out of sight there. Mm. You know, we, we put pressure on, you know, what every good team there does there is put pressure on the opposition at, at the kickoff um, and try and push them down into the corner and ultimately affect the turnover to try and to try and sort of hit back with, it, with another score. And unfortunately, we did <laughs> the complete <laughs> opposite. Um you know, I, th- I think this was this was sort of bad luck to some extent, um, but I also think an element of probably naivety on on our part. So obviously, that a high hanging hanging kickoff from from Reese Priestland, uh, Clermont. Clermont, sorry, sorry Gordon. Burns, oh, Burns on touch, that point. Yeah. Uh, was it great kickoff? Um, you know, <laughs> giving giving the players the opportunity to Not compete. Like me to point that out. Um, no, exactly. And Claremont put up a jumper. Um, McConaughey sort of came in off his wing very slightly and went to, to compete for the ball. Now, I don't know about you, G, but when we used to train for kickoffs, the, when the opposition would put up a, a jumper, we'd always have one man, usually the winger, go behind the jumper to try and collect the ball if it goes through the hands, because it often does, because those are, those are very hard to, hard to judge, having, having sort of um, unsuccessfully tried to lift jumpers for those, for those myself <laughs> in, in the past. And, and we didn't do that, and the ball went through the hands, spilled over, sort of um, skidded along the ground, and ultimately was picked up by, again, Azalea, um, absolutely rapid and, and he went over um, ultimately to score and to put the final nail in in the coffin so that was very much um, an error on our behalf mm. but fantastically well punished from Clement. yeah a couple of details I'll, I'll put on that I think it was actually oh sorry Lapondre yeah, yeah I think yeah. it was Lapondre who passed it no I think it was Fritz Lee who passed it picked it up passed it to, to Azalea who then ran down the wing avoided a tackle and then passed it, it inside yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think you're right I, I think there was more bad luck to that try it was actually right in front of where I was sat and that made it almost more demoralizing because I knew there was no knock on I knew there was nothing wrong with the try and as Azalea sprinted down the wing I knew it was inevitably the end of Bath's Champions Cup season but I do think there was a bit of bad luck but it was also fantastically clinical from Clermont and and in fairness to you Tom you you got for me you got this spot on last week when you said it will be close but I think this is what you said to paraphrase you I think that there will be a couple of moments where Clermont's quality will shine through and 
that is what will win them the game. And in those in that 90 seconds, it was those two moments of, of pure clinicality, pure pace, pure awareness of where the space was, great running lines, great supporting lines from, from Lapondre, from Azalea on both on both tries and yeah. fantastic from them. And bad luck. I don't think there's an error on potential I don't think there's an error from myself on, on from Bath on that try. And fantastic from Clement, and ultimately decided the game. Yeah, bit of bad luck, and mm. you know, you know, we said this: the way to beat Clement, particularly away from home, is exactly how Ulster showed to to snuff out everything they do, to be so meticulous and so tight with um, in both attack and defence that you just don't give them the opportunity to do that because, like you say, all they need is is a split second, and they will break the line, and they are just unstoppable when they get mm. in behind the defence, and, yeah. and 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 that's what they're showing. And we just need to be tighter, ultimately. In those um, in, in those big moments and those big gains against these um, these great European sides, yeah, they they swarm the channel, don't they? When they get mm. a, a break, and Bath at times when there's a line break, this was almost as if they're surprised by the line break. There isn't often that support for the for the offload, and then to make the further break, which will ultimately lead to the try. And, and the point was made on comms as well by by Benjamin Kayser, who was. Um, who, who was wearing sporting some fantastic yellow gloves? Um, you, you you may have seen on on social media or on on BT Sport if if you watch the game there. And he made the point that um, Fritz Lee, you know the the old World Cup winning New Zealander, suddenly came into life when that when that uh, ball went to ground. He sprinted past Jack Walker, who who had sort of recently come on. Um, took the ball and, and and was involved in in that try. So these players just know when to take these big moments. Um, they they have a sort of sixth sense for them, um, and and um, ultimately um, you know know how to take them in a way that we 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 just don't. And then on seventy two minutes, as if it couldn't get any worse. At this point, a very flat wreck. I was sat there in complete silence with with, with my friend who I was with, and and another Bath mistake led to 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 Clermont's final try. And a turnover from against Bath caused by great play again by Clement on the floor. Then Bath not quite recognising the space in behind and Kemal Lopez absolutely recognising the space in behind the Bath defence, putting a lovely grubber through for... I don't think I'm getting this name right. I think I'm saying a, a, an American pop star, but Azalea... Oh, yeah, it's not, to, is it? I've been saying it all night. Azela, I think it is. Azela. Yeah, it's yeah. not Iggy Azela. Samuel Azela. Samuel Azela, who, who had a fantastic looks a hell of a 10 player. minutes. And he's only player. in because um, uh, <laughs> the small matter of Damien Penneau, um is injured and, and not able to play. So they've got uh, they've got massive, massive strength and depth. I think they said he was from he was from Barcelona, mm. wasn't he? So yes. so Samuel, if you are if you are listening, which I'm sure you are, then <laughs> then Lo Siento. But um yeah, fantastic ten minutes from him. Only Spanish you know, isn't it? <laughs> Capped by that um that that try, but a brilliant kick from from Lopez. And again, the recognition that when there's a moment for Clement to take on Friday night, they took it and Bath did not react quick enough on that occasion. Yeah, he's only 19 as well. Mm. So to be paired with with Alavaretti Raka um, and Nick Abendon, who we should who we should mention, his first game mm. back at the Rex since he left in in 2014, I think it was. Mm. Um, uh, so great to see see him back. And I know. Um, that that he enjoyed himself particularly, I think, to to get one back against out of um, contract against, against some of his from his old club mates. Don't you? Out of, out of contract in the summer. <laughs> Why not bring him back? A beacon for Premier Rugby. Come and look here. <laughs> um, final thoughts, then, Tom, on this game, if if you've got any. Well, just the last thing. Let's end on a couple of a couple of positive notes. I guess. I guess the the you know the final bath try. 
ultimately the game was gone. You can definitely see that in the players' body languages and, and hear that in, in the crowd as well. But JJ with a with a fantastic arcing run, beating um, a couple of, div, of couple of slower defenders on on the outside and going over to uh, to, to to get the score and hopefully that gives him him a little bit of, of confidence. Obviously he's had niggles, um, he's been through the emotional sort of hangover um, of the of the World Cup. So hopefully that gave him um, a bit of a a bit of a boost. And then just one guy I wanted to to pick up who I've been massively impressed with so far this season. I've been calling for him to to be back in a Bath shirt and that was Mike Williams. Mm. I thought he again was really good for Bath. I think when when we signed him, he was potentially one of those guys that you know we weren't quite confident that he was going to be able to bring that much to a pretty stacked position. But ultimately now I think he is he's really warming into that six shirt and making it making it his own. He's a bruising defender. Mm. Um, and, and a strong carrier as well. So um, good to see him back. Top tackler with 17 tackles. So mm. great shift from from him again. Um, and these aren't passive tackles. These are um, these are carry players back and chuck them in the bog at the end of the game, at the end of the, the ground tackles. So um, yeah, that, that was what I was going to say. Adds ballast and balance to that back row for me. Final thoughts from me, Tom. And it's a loss. It's a bad loss on the scoreboard. 17-34 doubled us up and can only think that it might get worse in the return fixture to come. But if I'm honest, I didn't mind it on this occasion. There have been far more disheartening defeats this season for me. And those defeats are the ones where we just don't go for it and we roll over. We don't roll over, but we just don't fire a shot. It's like... It's like <laughs> It's like Andy Ruiz on, on Saturday night. We're just not firing any shots. We don't try anything. There's nothing in attack. And on Friday night, particularly in that first half, we threw a couple of shots and we went for it. And it was great to see. And I would much rather see us just go down in flames, go for it and just, it all go wrong. But we're, 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 we're playing some entertaining rugby when we've got the ball. And I'd much rather see us do that. And I spoke actually, as, as, as we alluded to at the start, to, to Roy McConaughey at the end of the game. And it's exactly what he said, and I, and I said it to him. It was obviously a game plan that they'd spoken about. He admitted that. Hooper admitted that at the end of his, at the end of the game in his BT interview and his BT interview during the game. But frankly, I don't know whether it was there because, and it was because I was there. But I found it so much more entertaining the way we played, and I don't mind that defeat. I, as I said, there were defeats which have found, which have made me much more disappointed as a Bath fan. This season, the quick taps, the 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 running rugby, the getting it in JJ's hands. That's what I want to see from Bath. And if we can combine that with a bit of brute strength up front, then that's the game plan. And and going for it like this is much more entertaining. And why I want to see Bath, the way I want to see Bath play going forward. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. And um, uh, you know, it, it was interesting listening to to Hooper at the end of at the end of the game because you know he made some some interesting points and I, I think he was potentially a little too too flippant in his assessment of the game um, he used a very strange um, expression um, globally concerning um, he didn't think that, that that you know the performance was globally concerning he just thought that we were missing uh, a few a few details um, I think it's I think it's slightly more than that I think it's coming together I think it's um, it's going in the right direction I think when you watch the game back without sort of the, the sort of global disappointment, shall we say, of the, <laughs> of, the, of the crowd around you, I think, you know, you realise that actually, yes, Clermont put us to the sword for a seven-minute period, but ultimately, for a lot of the game, we competed with a top European mm. side in difficult conditions with a lot of players missing. So, you know, I think there is cause for hope. Um, but, you know, 
everyone has has different opinions and I'll, I'll put one quickly to you now G and this is from from Ben Bruce Smith on on Twitter um, at Bath Rugby Plug um, and he says I hope I, I hate being this negative but I honestly have no hope the issues are not going to be fixed from one week to the next we are not a club that can fight on two fronts anymore haven't been for a while focus now should be to avoid relegation in the premiership are you are you that bearish then on on our, on our hopes going forward no I'm not that bearish at all as you know I, I always see things on, on the positive side when it comes to Bath Rugby at times that is a very blinkered view as I accept there are some some serious problems at the club but I think if Ben feels like that now, he should find something else to do on Sunday <laughs> afternoon because I don't think it's going to get much better before it gets a little bit worse. What are the global concerns then? <laughs> I'm thinking milk in this point. <laughs> the global concerns are the, the, the fact that we haven't exceeded and still haven't exceeded 22 points in, in attack. And whilst there were more positives in attack, this, this game friend of the podcast, Andrew, points out that there seem to be more line breaks in this game than, than there have been all season. I think that is because of the ambition we showed and also having JJ back looking sharper than he did previously helps with that. But again, only two tries, one of which was, was right at the end and the other one was from a kind of fluky break from, from Reese Preeson. So I think that is still the main concern. And another global concern, I guess, is the fact that this scrum, this pack that we, we we've praised a lot <laughs> hasn't turned some strong performances into wins and for a couple of weeks now hasn't looked as dominant as it has previously and it seems like we're not going to be able to base our whole game plan on that scrum and on that line out and combine that with the fact that our attack if a little bit more promising on Friday, still is nowhere near where we want it to be. I guess they're the kind of global concerns that that that, that I would suggest. And also the restarts didn't look any better, which was something we, we've spoken a lot about. And the other, only other thing I was, I was going to ask you, so would you make any changes off the, off the back of that? So, um, you know, we've had a lot of, we, we have heard calls um, for, for Stuart Hooper to, to take his marching orders. Um, I think we're both massively on the same page as that. We sort of, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not surprised personally to, to see those kind of things coming out of Bath fans already. And I can understand um, the long-held frustrations that have been building up over seasons and seasons. Um, and, you know, I completely feel everyone's pain. But um, for me, that sort of short-termism is certainly not the solution. But would you make any, any changes so far, uh, sort, of, sort of in the season. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, Tara McKay tweeted us, um, long-time listener. So thanks for getting in touch in touch there, Taryn. Um, she says, can we not get Brendan Venter in? Um, or someone to give us a clue? Because I just don't see us doing anything this season with the players we have. Uh, and then she notes the, um, the, the injuries we've got as well. And that, that probably as well is, sort of, I guess, linked to player management and, and coaching too. Would you do anything to this relatively inexperienced um, uh, coaching setup? No, I wouldn't change anything as of yet. I do think the dynamics of the coaching setup aren't quite as potentially they appear at the moment. I do think Neil Hatley and Gervin Dempsey, as I mentioned last week, have much more of a role than that than it appears. Who was, in put, a, was he in a t-shirt again? Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Bloody hell. <laughs> it was cold as well. Um, was it raining? Uh, uh, no. Okay, go on, Karen. Um, <laughs> um, no, it wasn't raining, I don't think. And Nailing the important point. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do think that Neil Hatley and Gervin Dempsey are much 
have much more influence in that team than than it probably appears given the fact that Hooper does all of the media responsibilities and he's got the title of director of rugby and therefore in this sporting world of wanting to have one figure we see it in football the whole time with the managers having one figure where the manager becomes far more important in the media's eyes than and in supporters eyes than a lot of the players I think that is why Hooper cops the stick cops the stick and comes under a lot of focus and unfortunately that is the way it is so so there's no sympathy there but I think that suggesting we need someone else to come in and further muddy those waters I'm not in favor favor of at all and I do think that we need to give it more time than we have given it Hatley's only been in position now for about a month very little of his coaching skills very little of his philosophies will have been able to be implemented onto the players and it's way too early to be talking about any severe structural changes mm-hmm. in my book to that coaching staff i agree um i, I was just going to come on to to injuries and we won't touch on this this much because we've and we've talked to death about joe cogna mm. um uh, zap mercer uh, anthony watson charlie yules um etc but there's two guys that, that haven't had as much coverage that i think we missed on on Friday, mm-hmm. um, the first one is Jackson Willison. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought Jamie Roberts had a, had a good game. Um, I, I really do, but I think you know it's easy to forget. Just one season ago, you know, this time last season, really, Jackson Willison had, had came into the the fold from from Worcester Warriors, and he was one of the most outstanding players for that first mm-hmm. half of the season. He was really getting the getting our attack going. He was, um, as we said many times, top offloader in the Premiership mm. in his last season at, at Worcester. And I think at that's an area of our game that's, yeah, in the league when he was at Worcester. And I think that's an area of our game where, you know, we haven't seen, while we've seen our sort of endeavour to get the offloads away, we haven't seen them go to hand, as we've said many times. So I think um, he has been missed and I'm aware that he's, he's you know, featured on the bench a couple of times, but he's been struggling with concussions. So we wish him well and hopefully he gets that sorted and, uh, and sort of returns, um, returns soon. And the other one is Max Green. Mm. Um, I think he showed signs last season of real potential. And I think for me, I'm, I'm still not sure if I would go with Cook on a long-term basis or Chudley. Um, I think I edge towards Chudley, but what I, what I just don't want to be seeing is this switching and chopping and changing that, that we're seeing as, as the coaches seemingly decide to, or seemingly um, look to make up their minds. And I think Max Green could have stamped his authority on this season and, and become our first choice injurious preventative from doing so. But um, I think he would have been potentially a real success story if he'd been able to remain injury-free, G. Yeah, I completely agree about Max Green, Tom. I think I spoke last season on the podcast about how highly I rated him, how much promise I how much promise I felt he had. Moving on then to an area where a game now where perhaps the the depth of that squad and some of those guys who we've been missing, Tom, may now feature as we look ahead briefly to the Clement Averne return game at the Stade Marcel Michelin on Sunday. Before we discuss this, a little bit of housekeeping. So as we've mentioned on the podcast, myself and Tom will be flying out on Friday afternoon to the south of France, making our way up to Clermont for a weekend of rugby, Tom, which I cannot wait for. Great. Um, We do this for an hour every week, but I'm looking forward to four days of it in Clermont. If you do want in on that, then let us know if you are also going. Cure for insomnia, uh, (laughs) I think, for many. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So 
that is in the pipeline and we're going to be doing a preview podcast of this game, an in-depth preview from Clement, probably on the Saturday, Tom, I would have thought. So subscribe in your feeds and you'll get that podcast delivered straight to you whenever we've found time to do it. But before, but so that will be, allow us to, to, to go in more detail because the team has been announced. Teams. But before they are announced, Tom, I understand you've done Hooper's work for him and, and pick your own team. I have so, done so. so I, uh, it. I, I hope he's listening. And I, um, you know, I, I very much expect and hope that we do see some fairly wholesale changes um, for a number of reasons, really, to give some of these guys a rest. Um, you know, traveling to, to France for a weekend is obviously tiring on the body, tiring on the mind. So I would like to see these guys, um, these guys, a lot of our, our senior players in particular, given a rest. And I also think it's a great opportunity on the flip side for for some of these younger guys to get first-team experience. I think it'll be tired um, on our bodies. Uh, well, potentially, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, to get first-team experience um, in a game that ultimately doesn't matter, um, but but hopefully will be played to, to a good standard um, in front of uh, what I imagine will be um, a, a very tough tough atmosphere. So as you say, I've put together um, a team. Are you, are you right there? Are you struggling with, with the microphone? Yeah, keep going. And I'll go through this. This I've just put together a fifteen, and and let me know. Let me know if you disagree with any. So I've gone with the front row of Boyce, Walker, and Judge. I'd like to see those three guys. Mm-hmm. Um, those three guys keep those three as as a as a threesome. Yep, exactly. Like to see those three kind of kind of move as a unit, as you say, and, and get some some more starting starting game time because I think there's a lot of potential there. But I think um, potentially they haven't quite been. Um, uh, up to the standard as, as our first choice, mm-hmm. our first choice boys. Um, in the second row, I've got Levi Douglas returning. Yeah, um, he, he played for Bath United against the Storm. I think he looks a really powerful unit now, and I'm I'm, I'm surprised and disappointed really that he hasn't got got more game time given given he's been fit. Um, I've then got Elliot Stook um, as as captain um, and his his partner in the second row. I think he. I think he, you know, when you look at the bath, when you're at the wreck and you look at the guys in the team talk, he's often the guy, he's often the guy talking. He's struggling there with. <laughs> Sorry, I am listening to you. Let's, let's keep going. This is not, if this was live now, this would not I be. I want to do preparation again. <laughs> Your microphone's hanging off. Go on, I've got you, Douglas and Stook in Douglas the second Stook, row. Stook yep. captain. He hasn't had that much captain, game time. Yeah. Likes him get some leadership. Um, I think that brings the best out of him. Back row, I've gone with Matt Garvey at six, mm-hmm. Reese Davis at seven. Who came off the bench and played at seven um, in the home fixture against Clermont, and I thought looked good. And Tom Ellis packing down at mm. number eight. Where's he at the moment? Is he fit? He's definitely well, this fit. Is the thing. I've asked the question a couple of times on 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 Twitter. We haven't really had had much of a, a response on that. Um, I haven't heard anything about him being injured, so I'll be really disappointed if that comes out. But equally, it seems strange that he he hasn't had had any game time. Um, at all um, but hopefully as I say we see him come back with, with some changes to, to this week's team and mm-hmm. in the back line um, I have gone Cook and Burns partnering up at, at halfback mm-hmm. um, I think that's our most exciting and sort of quick um, uh, uh, potentially ambitious halfbacks that we've got um, in the centre I've got Tom de Glanville at Ooh. 12 now that would be exciting that's a reason to to book a late flight to Clermont Auvergne if ever there was one um, I don't think that will happen but you know I, I don't see why not really um, give Roberts a, a, a break um, and, and just get the guy playing. You know, we've seen, as I've said so many times, um, what, what that can do with, with young creative guys, Marcus Smith, James Grayson, um, uh, Max Malins, the list goes on and we're just not um, taking advantage of the talent we've got. And I, I do think actually, Tom, to, to interrupt you, I do think that 12, 
probably unfortunately for us is looking like his strongest position. It's where he's playing predominantly for, mm-hmm. for Bath United. We I would like to see him play at fly half, probably given our deficiencies, I guess, at fly half going forward. But he does look to be favouring that inside centre or even fullback role. Mm-hmm. 13, I've gone Max Wright. No surprises there. Mm. Obviously a big fan of, fan, of, fan of his work. And for the back three, I've gone Levi Davis, Gabe Hammer-Webb, and then Tom Homer to provide a little bit of experience to, to those young guys. What do you make of that? Yeah, I love that team. We'd be more than happy to, to see that team pick. Just a couple of things that I've, I've picked up as you've been going. So, Stoot captain over Garvey. Yep. Thoughts behind that? Um, as I say, I just think that the time is now right that, that Garvey's... Um, role has changed in the team I'd like to see him obviously guiding the younger guys um, while getting himself back to fitness and form and that's kind of why I, I'd included him um, but I think his leadership time in the leadership uh, and light there has has passed and I think as I say leadership brings out the best in in Elliot Stook he will really take it upon himself to motivate those young guys and get mm. them playing well um, so I think that will, that'll be a good role for him yep I can see that and Burns at fly half I think will be a popular decision looking at our our Twitter feed and a lot of comments saying that that we should we should give Burns a go, not just this Sunday against Clermont, but but going forward in the season, Tom. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's you know something I've been saying for um, all season, really. I thought Priestland had one of his better games, actually, um, at the weekend uh, against Clermont. But yeah, we've had um, lots of people get in touch um, with the same, the say, saying exactly that. David Curran, um, uh, I've just seen on our, on our feed, um, uh, you know, saying he plays a passion for the jersey and, and can mix it up. So I think him coupled with De Glanville would would be mm. an exciting combination, an exciting thing for for De Glanville to to try and try and learn off him. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I agree with that team as a whole. Tom, I think that's a brilliant team, and send it straight to Hooper, and then he can spend a bit more time focusing on the lineout or something like that. And, and a couple of guys on the bench as well. I'd mm. like to see go out. So Sam Nixon, tight head, um, Will Vaughan, loose head. Those two guys played pat down together for, for for Bath United, as I say. So with that front row, would you leave the 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 I guess the first threesome that we've created? all three of them at home for the weekend, give them the week off yep. and, and go with Nixon and, and, and Vaughan? Yes, I would, yeah, H- yeah. Happy with that? Lack of experience coming off the bench if it does start to go wrong? I think you've got you've to just learn to play in these, in, you know, in, in, in these kind of difficult places. That's the way you improve. Um, ultimately, the result doesn't matter. So these guys just go out, express themselves. They're good enough. They've had the right coaching. Um, now's their time to, to, to start proving themselves and proving to themselves, more important, and most importantly, but also everyone else that, that they can step up, step up and do it. Tom Doherty then joining them at, at yep. Hooker to, to, to kind of bring that three from the Bath United into the first team. Yeah, in the similar way that they'll do with the Lions yep. squad. They'll have three um, front rowers that they will rotate and that they, those guys will move the unit. I really like what, what they're doing there. Um, and then one of the guy, Will Britton, in the second row, who's who's a young guy who's who's been good. He was captain of Bath University. He's now playing regularly for for, for Bath United. So so that'll be another guy, Max Ajoma as well. Ooh, um, yeah. Get him out on the um, on the bench as well, and, and potentially give him an opportunity. Um, recently been selected to uh, for the England under twenty. So good to, for him to get some form in um, sort of on a foreign away day. 
Um, yeah, th- th- they were kind of the names that I'd, I'd I'd been thinking about. But for me, the result won't be won't won't really be that important if we put in a good performance um, and and you know these guys get some game time and and look good and look confident and and they bring a good attitude back to back to Farley House for these guys getting rested. Then that'll be the most important thing for me as we go forward in the Premiership. Yeah, really like that team, Tom. And before the team is announced, do get in touch with us on Twitter at Bath Rugby Plug, which so many of you are doing, which is great. Join in the conversation there with your team to face Clement Auvergne. And I think it, you're right, Tom, the, the, the performance is key and hopefully some glimpses from some of these younger guys, guys we know a lot less about, would, would be really exciting and something to take from, from, from the weekend. It is going to be tough, un- undoubtedly. We've spoken about Clement's home record. They're not even top of this group due to that defeat against Ulster and therefore they're going to be taking no prisoners. They know they need to get five points from this game for to, to, to go ahead of Ulster and, and, and put themselves in pole position ahead of that return fixture at the Stade Marcel Michelin against the, the Irishman. Um, yeah, and they're going to be so confident as well. Having beaten us away, and uh, something which they know, they'll know they struggle away. Having beaten us away, they'll be so confident that they'll be able to turn us over. They saw We saw what they did to Harlequins. That confidence will, will be bred into the team. If they make changes, it will undoubtedly strengthen them, but they don't really need to. We've seen how good the, the backup backs are in particular in, in, I keep saying Azalea, but I know it's not that, but guys like him, guys like Abendon and with Penno, with Fafana, not even making the trip on this occasion. If those guys come back in, it's just going to strengthen that team and make it an even harder task for Bath. And it does look difficult, but if my accountable prediction is going to be right, then we need to pull oh, on God, one yeah. hell of an upset on Sunday. So fingers crossed for that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And just just to finish, yeah. um, we mentioned this uh, um, a few weeks ago now, G, and, and it completely um, completely passed us by. But we said we'd read out a couple of um, yeah. or, or reviews um, that we'd we'd kindly been been left by you, our our listeners. And and this first one's really kind of warmed my heart, actually. And you know, I was talking to you before for the podcast about this, G, and you know, this is really um, the reason we do this. And 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 the review is entitled "How Luck- Lucky a Bath to Have Reese Priestland." Um, it's left by an account called Poor Show exclamation mark and has given the podcast G one star <laughs> out of five. That is why I come every week. Well, one star out of five, you know, 20%. That's better than most of your school grades. Um, and it says, before you slag off Reese next week, take a peep at the top league point scorer. You are very lucky to have him. Um, and Mrs. Priestland, yeah. we apologise. <laughs> we apologise. Exactly. We only want the best for, for the club and for... Um, and for Reese as well, um, and uh, yeah, he certainly um, you know had his had his good days in in the Bath shirt, and we don't mean to be be negative um, all the time. I hope you'll you'll sort of <laughs> gain from listening to this podcast that we're sort of very much uh, the other the other sort of way around r- most of the time. Um, the other one that, that thanks for on, listening, Mr. The, the other one on a serious note is from um, James Shackle. Um, who left five stars and said, great insight into the game and all things Bath. Nice to listen to fellow Bath enthusiasms, enthusiasts living the same highs and lows as me. Um, and we'll certainly echo uh, that, James, the, the emotional roller coaster that, um, that, that continues to be uh, being a Bath fan. And the roller coaster is going to go on, and I fear it may keep going down for one more week longer. But whatever, the, whatever happens, we'll be giving you two episodes on our trip to Clermont. As I said, we'll be giving a big preview from Clermont before the game with the teams out, with a few more thoughts about the game, pick out a few matchups, discuss the team that Bath have selected. 
And then after the game, probably on the Monday, maybe a little bit dusty, we'll be reviewing that game, what we can remember from that game, and probably looking ahead to the things to come for the blue, black, and white. Follow us across social media. There'll be so much content going out there on our Twitter, on our Facebook, and particularly on our Instagram, which we're going to try and pick up throughout our trip to Clermont. So if you do want to know what we're up to, then please do follow us on there and join in the conversation wherever you can. We love hearing from you and we joke around, but you guys are absolutely the reason we keep on doing this and and, and, and your thoughts are just as important as ours and we want to give them on this podcast. So please do join in the conversation and get in touch with us there. Thank you for listening. We'll be back even sooner than we usually are from Clermont Auvergne. Stick with the boys through thick and thin.